Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, welcome, Believers Church. So glad to be with you guys again for this final weekend before I head back to Phoenix. And uh, just enjoying your weather out here because it's not like 115 or 120, so it just feels a little more heavenly out here. Anyways, uh, good to be with you and welcome online. Welcome at Boardman. Uh, TCI, glad to have you with us as well. Um, as Ryan mentioned, this is sort of a part two for me. And uh, so I was just praying um, several weeks ago and going, Lord, you know, what, what do you want me to share with this family? And I have this sort of pattern uh, in the mornings where, you know, when I get up, I, I, I hit the Keurig machine, man. I have a coffee. That's just me. I got to have a coffee. And uh, even when I fast, I still drink coffee. That's just the one thing I, I keep drinking. So uh, I just kind of get into this chair. Nobody's up. It's quiet. It's early in the morning. And I just recline there, and I read my scriptures. And I don't try to read a certain amount. I just read until something kind of lands with me, and I just sit there. And then I have an app that I put on, and uh, it's just like a little centering prayer app, and it just kind of goes off with some bells and chimes and My whole goal during that moment isn't really to petition God, not to ask for anything. Uh, It's really just to get quiet and just to be aware of his presence. And if he speaks, that is wonderful. And if he doesn't speak, that's also fine. It's just to be with him. And so that's my pattern. That's what I do. I just do that pretty much, you know, out of 10 days, I'm going to do that nine days. Once in a while, I don't make it there, right? No condemnation though, right? So I'm in that place several weeks ago, and I'm like, okay, I'm just sitting there. And I heard this phrase in my spirit, live like a missionary. And when I heard that phrase, I knew that it was what God wanted me to talk about to you. The only problem is I've never been a missionary. (laughs) So there's a little bit of a problem. How am I gonna tell you how to live like a missionary uh, if I've never been one? And of course, there's a little more to the message than that, but I got to thinking about it, and I said, you know what? I've got a daughter-in-law named Tara. Most of you know Kristen, who just made those announcements. She's an awesome daughter-in-law. But I have another daughter-in-law named Tara, and she's in Phoenix. And Tara is this amazing mom and wife, and uh, she's a nurse practitioner. And most of all, she's a lover of Jesus. And before she met my son, Stephen, she had left her practice in Phoenix, and went with the team to Cairo, Egypt for two reasons. One, she has a heart for Muslims. And if you're gonna reach Muslims, you should probably go to where Muslims are. Secondly, she wanted to be able to speak fluently in their language, so she had to learn Arabic to do that. And she did so. And another thing that she found out is when you're there, you have to understand a culture. You have to understand protocol, what keeps you safe, you know, what puts you in danger as a woman, right? Because she wanted to share Jesus with people who need Jesus. And one of the things that she began to do there was to build relationships with people who were open. And when I think of a missionary, I just can't think of anybody I have more respect for than them, and rightfully so, right? They're willing to just walk away from everything and just go somewhere for Jesus. It's amazing. But if you're like me, most of you have never thought of yourself as a missionary. I certainly didn't. But do you ever think about where that word came from? It's like not in the Bible. But when they translated the Bible into Latin, 
they took the word where Jesus said, and he sent them, the word send or sent, and they translated that as missionem. And when we translate that into English, it means missionary, to be sent by God, to be called, to be sent, to be on mission with God. And when I start to think about a missionary in that sense, I think it's possible then that everyone is called to live like a missionary. You know, the guy who sort of led the charge for the Reformation was a man named Martin Luther. He did not have perfect doctrine. He didn't. But he was a Catholic professor and monk, and he had a lot of issues with how the church was operating. And so he took 95 points of discussion and he nailed them to the door of a church. And his purpose was to debate other theologians about these issues. But guess what? The printing press had just been invented. Someone took that document and had it printed and it went viral, like no social media, but it went viral and it caused a reformation. And you and I are here today because of the reformation. It impacted us. And one of the things that Martin Luther, I think, got right was he had a foundational belief called the priesthood of every believer. And what he believed was this, that the boy out there behind the plow and the young lady milking the cow had just as much access, calling, and privileged before God, that they also were priests before God just as much as the paid professionals and the clergy. And he called that the priesthood of every believer. And I want to show you the scripture that, that was based on. So if you want to read along, it's just 1 Peter 2, 9, and it says this, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. So if this is true, and we've been called to tell people about God's goodness and what he's done for us, then it sounds to me like God has given us a mission. And to be on mission with God means we need to learn how to live like a missionary. And so one of the things I found out about missionaries is, is this. If you want to live like a missionary, here's how they think. They are always on mission in this way. They have developed a lifestyle of looking for the lost. They've developed a lifestyle of looking for the lost. And, you know, that's what I want to talk about tonight. Now, if I was to greet most people today and I walk up and I see you in the market, common greeting would be just, you know, how are you doing? Or when I was in Berlin, it'd be like, Vigets, what's up, man? You know? And usually people say, I'm good, man. I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Oh, busy. Does that sound a little common? I'm busy. Yeah, I'm busy too. But listen, part of what we need to be busy about is orienting our life around this idea of looking for the lost. That whether we're a doctor or a construction worker, a programmer, you know, or a mechanic, that we're just as called as the people standing here. You're just as called as I am, every bit as called as I am, that God has a mission for you just as much as he does for me. And that wherever you are, God wants you to orient your life around that. Why is that? Because that is the heart of God. Jesus said in Luke 19, I have come to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission statement. And that has to be our 
mission statement. So the bottom line, though, is when you look at that, how do you do it? How does that not feel overwhelming? Well, because Jesus has made us a promise. Look at this. Jesus said to a group of fishermen, not educated seminarians, not theologians, most of the apostles, we believe, were in their late teens and early 20s, if you can fathom that. These are young guys. They've been working hard for years as fishermen, most of them. And Jesus says these words, come and follow me. And you should be able to, after following me, figure out how to be a really good fisher of souls. No, he said, come and follow me and I'll take the responsibility for showing you how to live on mission. I'll show you how to fish for souls. I'm gonna help you get good at it. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never liked fishing. I've caught a couple of fish. Now, some of you guys out there, you know, that are fishermen, you're like grieved right now that I said that. It's okay. Just love me anyways, right? But you love to fish. I, I've met some of you. You are hooked. Pun intended. You're hooked on it. But here's what I'd venture to say. If you're really good at fishing, it took you a long time to get there. I could drop you off where you started 30 years ago and caught a couple of fish, and I could put you in that same place today, and you'd catch a bunch of fish. Why? Because you learned how to fish. See, I think, like, how many of you in here have ever played sports? How many of you wish you played sports? How many of you are not going to raise your hand no matter what I ask? <laughs> well, a lot of us have played, right? But here's the thing. How many of you learn to play sports by reading books, by going on YouTube? Or did you just go outside and pick up a ball and start playing? That's how it happens. We learn by doing, right? I love what Eugene Peterson said. He said this, a disciple is a learner but not in the academic setting of a schoolroom, rather the work site of a craftsman. We do not acquire information about God, but skills in faith. So in other words, I can read a book about how to lay bricks. That doesn't mean I know how. You know how you learn? You do it. You wanna to learn to fish for people? Be on mission? It's gonna take practice. So let me help you with something that we're gonna call the bless rhythm, all right? Because here's the thing, if I told most of you, I want you this week to go out and find five people to witness to, you know what you would do? You would hope to forget what I asked you to do. You'd be like, I can't do that. But if I said, can you find five people that you could just be a blessing to this week? You'd say, yeah, I think I could do that. So let's talk about the bless rhythm. You can actually find this book written by Dave Ferguson just called Bless. It's a great book. But I love this concept because a study was done about two missionary teams that spent two years in Thailand. Now, both teams had the same exact goal, which was to see as many people come to faith as possible. But the converters were only going to talk to people. That's it. That's the strategy. The blessers said, whoever God puts in our path we're gonna bless them. So at the end of two years, they looked at the results, and here's what they found out, that the converters had zero impact on that community. Nothing changed. And the blessers radically impacted that community for the good. They made it a better place to live. But get this, 
Same goal, different strategy, just by being a blessing versus just trying to talk at people. Look at the results. At the end of two years, the converters had one convert and the blessers had 48. Now, you can talk at people all day long, but when you start to literally demonstrate the kingdom and love and bless people, it will have an impact on their life. God will use it. And I love this idea of being a blesser because when I look at my Bible, all through the Bible, I see that that's who God is from Genesis to Revelation, that he's a God of blessing. Look at Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse two. I will make you into a great nation. Listen to this. You can put your name here. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Listen to this. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham was what? He was blessed by God so he could turn around and be a blessing or a conduit of blessing to others. And listen, God wants you and I to be the same. So what is this blessed rhythm? It's just an acronym that begins with, begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and story. Just ways to bless people. Now we talked last week about prayer. And if you want people to experience the goodness of God, and experience his love, it's not gonna happen without prayer. Every time God moves somewhere, it's preceded by prayer. And so last week we challenged you, ask the Lord to give you what? Five people that you can pray for five minutes a day for five weeks and watch what God will do when you pray. Because when you begin to pray, things begin to happen. You know, I remember when I was a campus pastor in Boardman and there are a couple of Boardman families here right now, and that blesses me to look out and see that. Because Boardman, I miss you guys big time, really do. And um, when I was there, I remember, like, you got to understand, as pastors, we're just around church people a lot, right? We just are. And you guys are around a lot of people that aren't at church all the time, so you have an advantage over us. But we could still pray, just like you. And I remember one day, I just said, Lord, I, I just, I just want to be able to share you more. I said, I'm asking you to open some doors for me and give me an opportunity to talk about you. And three days later, and she's sitting here tonight, Mana walks up to me and says, hey, guess what? Hey, Graham, I have a thought for you. I work at a rehab facility, and we need someone to come out and speak to our people once a week. Would you consider coming? I mean, three days after I pray for an opportunity to share God this door opens and I get to for a whole year share with hundreds of people my story. Listen, when we pray, God moves. When we don't pray, listen, ask and you will receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open because everyone that asks receives. Whoever seeks finds. Whoever knocks, that's for opportunities. The door's gonna get open, but let me reverse that. Whoever doesn't ask doesn't receive. Whoever doesn't seek doesn't find. And whoever doesn't knock, there are no doors opening for you. So pray. Begin with prayer. You can do that. And listen, let me talk about how we can bless people. I love this quote from Dave Ferguson. He says, prayer is like breathing. Breathing has the rhythm of inhaling and then exhaling. We breathe in the oxygen we need and then exhale the carbon dioxide that the plants around us need. It's this rhythm of inhaling and exhaling that brings life both to us and to our planet. Without oxygen, we would die. Without carbon dioxide, our green world would shrivel up and also die. 
Prayer is the same. We breathe in to listen to God. We need his voice to sustain our spiritual life. We then breathe out a missional prayer for our neighbors, anticipating that it will bring spiritual life. Listen, as we listen, we breathe in. And as we bless, we breathe out. You see, the authority and the ability to pray in faith comes from the presence of God and from his word. And when you breathe in, when you listen to God, like I said, take the scriptures in the morning and just listen to them and then get quiet and listen. When you listen and God begins to move in you, now you have something to turn around and release out and bless others with. Charles Spurgeon was a famous preacher. He had a mega church before that title was around. In the 1800s, he had over 6,000 people attending his services in London. That would have been huge in that day. And someone asked him one time, they said, Mr. Spurgeon, can you tell me what's more important, prayer or the word of God? What's your choice? And he goes, let me ask you a question. What's more important, breathing in or breathing out? You tell me. And so if we want to effectively be on mission and be a blessing, we've got to receive a blessing in order to release a blessing. Does that make sense? All right, let's move on. Unless you want to be here three hours, because this is a six-week message I'm doing tonight. Does anybody want to stay that late? Okay. You're like, you lost me at do you want to. Okay, here we go. Listen, people have an incredible need just to be heard. You know that. Listen, if you just listen to somebody, that means a lot to people. It does. And I love what Dallas Willard said. He said, the first act of love is always the giving of attention. And so you don't have to be an expert on the gospel or the good news. Just learn to ask questions. Why? Because we're wanting to build a relationship with people because the kingdom of God always, always, always moves through relationships and networks. And so we build relationships by getting to know people. How do you get to know them? Ask them questions about themselves because they are an expert on that subject. Now, some people, you might have to just put up a stop sign every once in a while because they just don't stop. But if we ask questions, we can get to know people. Did you know that Jesus in his ministry asked over 300 questions? This is something I began to see a couple of years ago, and it really shocked me. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, 307 questions. And depending on the translations, when he was asked a direct question, he only directly answered either three or six times, depending on how you read it. That's a lot of questions. Why? Because one of the things we get to do with questions is we get to put rocks in people's shoes. Do you ever go hiking? You just have a rock in your shoe? I mean, I've been out there in Arizona and it's like, you know, there's coyotes and roadrunners and snakes and you're out there. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter where you are. If you've got a rock in your shoe, you're going to find a place to stop and get it out because it bugs you. Do you know sometimes when you ask somebody a question that's spiritual in nature, it's like leaving a rock in their shoe. They walk away thinking about that and you're praying for them. So do that. And when we listen to people, don't just hear their words, but hear their hearts. And here's another thing. When you listen, don't just listen with your physical ears, listen with your spiritual ears. Because sometimes we're talking to people. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe I'm the only one. You're talking to somebody and suddenly they say something and something just goes off in you like, hmm. And you know that you shouldn't just bypass that point. You might just say, can you tell me more about that? Just drill down on it. 
All right, you ready for the, the one that everybody likes? Do I have any foodies in here? Are you ready for this? Jesus was a foodie. Are you, eat, Matthew eleven nineteen. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Now, this, this was not meant to be a compliment. He's hanging out with the wrong crowd, man. Pastor Joe, I saw him the other day and he was over hanging out with some people. I don't know, man, it doesn't look good. Pastor Joe might even have some sinners that are his friends, guys. I don't know if we can handle that. Well, he might have friends that are sinners because Pastor Joe's been praying that the Father would make him more like Jesus. And if you start praying, Jesus, I wanna be like you. Father, make me more like Jesus. Guess what you're gonna wanna do? You're gonna wanna hang around sinners. I would take that as a great compliment today to be called a friend of sinners because those are the people I wanna be around. I wanna reach them. I love believers, but I also wanna be around sinners because how else can I reach them? Listen, seeing lost people in your church will never happen if you don't have any lost friends. Can we just do a little sail on that? Let that sink in. You got to build relationships. You got to build relationships. So pray, listen, find out who they are, hear their story. Where's God at work in their life? Eat. Did you know that Jesus, just in the book of Luke alone, shared 10 meals with others? 10 meals. And sometimes Jesus would be like, hey, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Is that cool? Oh, yeah. So, you might even say, if Jesus came, it's like, you bring the water, he'll make the wine. Anyway, I don't know if I should tell that one tomorrow. We're just gonna let that one go. All right, anyways, that's a really bad one. But you, you and I have 21 meals a week, right? What if we just had somebody who didn't know God make up one of that 21? A lunch, coffee, a dinner. And how many of you know, when we say, hey, do you wanna go to lunch? It's not just so we can sit in silence and eat. It's we're trying to get to know one another. So break bread, get to know people. I'll tell you this, it's amazing what it can do. Um, we moved into our new home like the weekend before Thanksgiving last year. So it'd be November. And the Super Bowl came up, I think, in early February, right? So we were there maybe two months, almost two months. And I looked at my kids and I go, hey, the Super Bowl is this Sunday. I haven't really watched any this year. You guys want to watch the Super Bowl? And they're like, yeah. But my daughter-in-law looked at my son and said, we've got to do something. I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah, yeah. We, we've got to have like some kind of Super Bowl party or pre-Super Bowl party. I said, no, 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 no. I was on staff at Believer's Church. That's not how we roll. We've got to have a professional flyer, contact the graphic department, we're gonna put this on Facebook. We're gonna take a month-long campaign approach to all of our neighbors. No, no, we're, we're gonna take, she's like, no, no, we're not doing any of that. She said, I'm hijacking the neighborhood text thread and I'm gonna just let people know. And you know what? We put out finger foods and barbecue this and that and sodas and everything else. We had 14 neighbors come and just hang out with us for a couple of hours. And we just got to know each other. And out of that, guys, what's really cool is there is a cool family that comes to my house every Sunday just to study the Bible because they don't know the Bible and they want to know the Bible and they want to know who Jesus is. And that came out of just food. 
So, hey, food will take you places, guys, all right? All right, here we go. By the way, our only agenda, the only agenda I have and we should have is to love our neighbor and bless them. What am I, what am I trying to say by that? If you are gonna go into a relationship and control the narrative, then you are pushing the Holy Spirit out. Just focus on loving them and blessing them and let the Holy Spirit lead. Let him control the narrative. Let love lead the way. Don't come with some can thing, all right? How about this? Serve. What, what practical needs do they have? How can you serve them? How can you bless them? You know, one way to do it too is what I call the reverse serve. Hey, can I borrow your tool, your wheelbarrow? You ever notice that people want to help you? Sometimes when I'm at the gym, I'll just go, that's a really cool exercise, man. Can you tell me about that exercise? And people will sit there and talk to you for 20 minutes about that exercise. It's an opportunity. It's reverse serve. Luke, or Luke 10, Jesus said, find a person of peace. Let them give you a room. Let them feed you. Let them take care of you. It's counterintuitive. But you can also serve people because it says in Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be the one who always serves. So a couple of thoughts. Did someone just have a baby? Take them a meal or give them a gift card. How about this? Maybe someone's elderly or disabled. Help them out in a practical way. I think about this lady that works with us. She's just always got stories. But when she was pulling her lettuce up from her garden, she just felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit. Take this to your neighbor that you've lived next to for over a decade and never talked to once and just say, I wanna bless you. And she did, guess what? She's talked to them a lot now, prayed with them. Just serve people. It's amazing how when you serve people, God will use it. Um, when I first moved to Ohio way back in 2013, I came here with the intention of staying here one year. But, you know, I served Jehovah Sneaky, and he had other ideas. He said, I'm going to put you here in Believer's Church. But I didn't come here as a pastor. I came here saying, God, where's my next stop? And so I was working like you guys, and I was earning my keep. And on that job, I was only there three months before I got hired here. But on that job, I had a young lady there. And her father had passed away. I, I heard about it. And of course, I, I care about people. And so I just said, hey, I'm really sorry. And I know enough to go get a sympathy card and write something nice in there and pray for her. But I just had this idea to serve her and, and just bless her. And the idea was this. I knew she was a, a big-time Raiders fan. But I had this idea of taking the Raiders logo and laying Psalm 23 over it. And I framed it and prayerfully gave it to her with a, with a card. And of course, invited her to church once or twice. And, um, you know, sometimes you're just planting seeds. But my goal wasn't anything other than just to, to say, hey, I want to try and bring some comfort to her, right? Because that's an area of need. And so I'll never forget. Suddenly I got hired here. I'm on staff. It's a Saturday night just like this, and I'm preaching. And who walks in? That young lady walks in, sits on the front row. And at the end, when we pray, she raises her hand and prays. Now, I don't always get to do that, and you don't either. But you never know what God is going to do with those seeds that you plant. And if your focus is, I don't have an agenda, of course we want to see them come into the kingdom. But my agenda is to love them and to bless them and let the Lord lead the narrative. Then God will use it. God will use it. All right, let's go to the last one here. 
We're gonna land this plane with this one, your story. One thing that can stop people from sharing is simply this, they feel like they're not trained enough. They don't know enough. But you know what? When it comes to your story, you're an expert. There's a famous story about the Gadarene demoniac. We're gonna go there right now in Mark chapter five. We know that Jesus cast demons out of him. The pigs ran off the cliff, died in this 10-town region. They were primarily Gentiles. It freaked him out, and they said, Jesus, please leave us. Just go. And he did. But look at this encounter here. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the demon-delivered man begged to go along, but he wouldn't let him. And Jesus said, go home to your own people. Tell them your story, what the master did, how he had mercy on you. The man went back and began to preach in the 10 towns area about what Jesus had done for him, and he was the talk of the town. Think about it. What evangelism course had he been to? What training did he have? Did he know as much as anybody in this room? No. But you know what he did know? He knew that he had no peace in his life. He knew that he'd sit out in graveyards, they'd put chains on him, he'd find ways to break him loose. He didn't have any friends, no one wanted anything to do with him. He lived like an animal, he lived out in the wilderness. He knew that he was tormented night and day, and he knew when this man, Jesus, walked into his presence, that in him was the power of the kingdom of God, and there was freedom there, and he went after the freedom, and Jesus set him free, he was in his right mind, and that freaked everybody out. And you know what, he didn't know anything but that. And he went around and he told everybody, this is what the Lord has done for me. Listen, I could tell you my story about when I was 19 and how God delivered me from drugs and alcohol and how he set me free. But that was 41 years ago, man, 41 years ago. But God has been at work in my life since then and in your life since then as well. He's doing something now. There's something he's doing and you can share that with people. You know, when I think about the gospel Very often people say, here's the gospel. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I would say, I disagree with you 150%. I do. Because I would say the gospel is like a mosaic, which is a picture made up of small pictures. And I would say that what you just described is what I would call the atonement, and that that would be the centerpiece of the mosaic of the gospel. That would be the very centerpiece of it, But that's not the whole thing. The word salvation doesn't mean just getting into heaven, just believing that. Salvation is about God's life coming into you now, about the kingdom coming now here on earth, about you being a blessing now. And so this mosaic is, what is God doing? So when I'm with someone and they say, hey, man, I don't even know. I've got these kids. They're driving me crazy. I can't sleep at night. I'm worried sick about them. What are we going to do? Well, I'll tell you what. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? They're going to look at us and go like, where's that in the conversation? That's an awkward turn. Because if you can have a conversation, you need to have a spiritual conversation. But how did raising three sons impact my life as a follower of Jesus? I can simply say something like this. Hey, you know what? Um, you may not be a religious person, but I am. And I raised three sons. I have grandkids. I know what you mean, man. I've lost some sleep. But can I just share with you something that God taught me when I was raising my kids? What am I doing? I'm taking what God is doing in my life and I'm telling them some good news and giving them some hope. I'm meeting them at their point of need, right? How about this? Oh man, I've got all kinds of anxiety. I'm just, 
I don't know what to do, man. This pandemic thing, it's just like driving me nuts. I'm full of anxiety. I'm, I'm going to see the doctor next week. It's like, hey, you know what? I was just at church the other day and uh, our pastor shared a passage right out of the Bible on casting your cares on the Lord. I don't know if you know that or not, but did you know that if you give your cares to the Lord that he'll actually take them from you and help you walk through this moment? But Graham, that's not the good news. Oh, for somebody who's anxious, it's great news. You get where I'm coming. I'm not saying that we avoid the atonement. I'm saying that there's a lot more to the good news than just the atonement. It's not a canned presentation. It is meeting people. How about this? I'll give you one more thought. Because you're like, I don't know about this. I don't know. I was hungry, and you shared a Bible verse with me. I was thirsty, and you told me where I could read a really good book on how to drill for water. I was naked, I was sick, I was in prison, and you told me about an excellent podcast I should listen to. Can we help me out? I was hungry, and you... I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was naked, and you... I was sick and you came and visited me and prayed for God's healing power to come all over me and that just radically touched my life. The kingdom is about also meeting people at their point of need. And so if we're in this for the long haul and not just some like quick thing, some canned presentation, then what we do is we build a relationship and we bless and we just share how God is at work in a way that they can receive it. Does that make sense? So I want to just close with this story. Um, well, actually, I want to share one, one passage real quick before I close. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Man, someone is counting on you. I don't know who, but start praying for God to show you some of those people, and he will. If your belief is that it's just the pastor's job or the paid professionals, I have news for you. You'll never reach this county. You'll never reach this valley. There are not enough pastors in this valley to reach all the lost people in this valley. Everyone gets to play in the kingdom. There's a mission for each one of us. We're to live on mission with God. So here's the story that I promised before I read that scripture. I have a lady that's part of a group that we work with out in the Phoenix area, and she's 72 years old. She's a grandma, great-grandma, retired school teacher. And that lady is always on mission with God. She's always sharing with someone, always sharing a meal, always blessing someone. And... She told a story about how through her Airbnb business, God connected her with three young ladies. And she began to develop a relationship, and she invited those three young ladies to a Discovery Bible study where they would just look at the life of Jesus and talk about who he was and just discuss it. And during that process, all three of these young ladies came to faith in Jesus. And one of them, her name is Joelle, said to this retired grandma, just an ordinary person. She said, I want you to baptize me. And she said, man, I, 
I don't know about that. I'm not sure if I could do that. And she reached out to us because my partners and I, we've all got a lot of ministry experience. And she started saying, what do I do? And we were like, you can do it. We're going to coach you up a little bit. And you know what's really cool? I'm going to show you a little clip here in a second. Nobody told this young lady to do this, but she invited 20 of her friends and family. And I'm just showing you a clip. But if I took the longer clip, in that clip, she spends almost three minutes talking about her journey of coming to faith in Jesus and the fact that she's being baptized today because she loves him so much and all she wants is to serve him. And I'm like, wow. That was because somebody just made a decision to live on mission. Let's check this out. Pretty cool. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Yeah! Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. She is not on staff at any church. She spent her whole life sitting where you sit. But tell you what, she's on mission with God. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. And it's simply this. I want to challenge you to be a blessing and to live on mission with God. Just be a blessing. Say, God, how can I be a blessing? Because you might feel intimidated about being a witness, but I believe that you can be a blessing wherever you go. So let's pray. Father, man, I've done my best to share this truth that you put in my heart, the words you put in my heart to live like a missionary, (laughs) to be on mission with you, to be sent by you. Father, I just think about all the people that we have connections with, our friends, neighbors, relatives, coworkers, people that we work out with, people that we're in the gun club with, or one of our hobbies, maybe we're, whatever we're doing. There's people all around us. Lord, would you, I pray, would you send us? Would you send us, Believer's Church, would you send us into your harvest here in the Mahoning Valley, Columbiana County, TCI? Would you send us out, Lord? And as we're sent out, Lord, we'll we'll take on that mantle of being on mission with you wherever we go. A life oriented around finding the lost, following the Holy Spirit into those fields. Father, I know that we can't accomplish this alone. Lord knows I've tried to do things on my own. It's like getting in a paddle boat and trying to go the other side. It's hard. But Lord, I'm praying for just, just a fresh baptism and infilling of the Holy Spirit because Acts 1-8 says that we would receive power that would enable us to be able to carry out the mission. So I'm praying for that to come upon these people. And just while we're praying here today, maybe you're one of those people that we've been talking about. You've heard about Jesus. You've had friends tell you about Jesus. Family members tell you about Jesus, but there's never been a point in your life when you've actually said, yes, Jesus, I wanna follow you. And today you're saying, you know what? I'm, I'm ready for that. This is not some kind of magic thing. It's just a step of faith. It's a, it's a trust that we have that when we reach out to God, that he'll take our hand. He won't let us down. 
when we call on his name, he'll answer. He'll give us salvation. We'll receive eternal life right here, right now, today. Whether you're watching online or whether you're here, I just want to say, if you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer before, or maybe you did a long time ago and you walked away from it all, and you're here today and you're saying today, I want to receive this gift of eternal life. Would you do me a favor? Would you just pray this prayer with me? In church, no one prays here alone. Just simply say this, Jesus, I call on your name. Save me. Forgive my sins. Receive me into the kingdom. I do believe that you are the son of God, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the dead. I put all of my faith, all of my trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that simple prayer, God heard it. God's made a promise to you that he's going to keep. And you hear this week after week, but we want to be able to rejoice with you. If you prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor? Just while we're all in this attitude of prayer, would you do me a favor? Would you just simply raise your hand? I see your hand back there, sir. Just keep those hands up for just a moment. And we're going to get something into your hands that's going to help you make that decision to follow God. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.